This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to another Total Saints podcast. This is our weekly get-together where we discuss the last seven days supporting Southampton Football Club, a friendly support group, if you will. We're live streaming our podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch and YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure that you subscribe to the channel to be the first to see our latest videos. As always, a massive thank you to our TSP patrons who make all of this possible. You can visit patreon.com forward slash Total Saints podcast to find out more about getting involved. Coming up this week on the pod, it was a must-win game to keep survival hopes alive. Palace at home, and of course, Saints blew it. But is that game over? We've got plenty to discuss. And this week, it's Friday Night Football, Arsenal away. I'm sure we're all really looking forward to that. I'm Martin Stark, and I'm joined this week by Steve Grant, who's the owner of Saints Web. Glenda LaCour is the writer of the blog League 1-10, and Alfie House is the Southampton reporter for the Southern Daily Echo. All underpinned by our TSP patrons, this is episode 229 of the Total Saints podcast. Your home for everything Southampton FC. From dedicated Saints insight to exclusive interviews. Live on YouTube every Sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Total Saints podcast. Now it seemed simple, didn't it? Beat Crystal Palace at home. Keep your hopes of staying in the league alive. Um, and in a display that really summed up the season, Saints offered nothing in a 2-0 defeat. Glenn, that was entirely predictable really no fight no desire and I've got to be honest no surprise uh no not at all yeah I think yeah I think you summed it up pretty well there I I um it's interesting when I was younger I I used to get angry at football you know properly sort of stereotypical it ruined the whole weekend if if we got beat and I I kind of grew out of that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and um yeah and I, I could I could feel myself doing it again yesterday and then you just decide to laugh at it. it it was so bad again started from the moment the team news dropped uh, I assume we're going to get onto that yeah. uh, a separate entity but the team news dropped and you, you don't want to be too negative about it you think okay you know let's let's go let's let's do it let's see if something different happens 
but nothing did. I mean, we played all right for the first, I'd say, 15 minutes where we looked okay. We looked like we had some idea. Um, we restricted Palace. They didn't do anything in the first half at all. So th- that part of it worked okay. But, you you know, we created a couple of chances. The one that Walcott blazed over and the, and the, the corner routine that Aribo blazed over. Noticed I've said blazed over twice. We didn't work the goalkeeper. Um, and both of those should have been, you know, giving Johnston some work to do, but didn't happen. Second half, another 10 minutes of boredom. And then... Um, and then as they scores the first goal, it's it's pathetic. As usual, the goal, you know, the goal we concede, Maitland Niles gets beaten far too easily. Bazunu does he does the worst thing he could possibly do with the cross and just flaps it into the middle. And Eze, who started the move, has, has jogged into the penalty area and you know, Lavier and Warprouse have, have just left him, basically, and he's he's arrived on his own and scored. You know that you're not going to get the reaction that you need um at one nil and you know, nothing much happened. I think despite tried- the little huddle that they have now, yeah, well, the, the the non-contact huddle in, on this occasion wasn't it? Yeah. It was it was very much very half half-hearted, kind of in keeping with that second half performance, really. Yeah. So we chucked on a couple of subs. It was um, Torpol and Gineppo for for Aribo and Walcott, who were both pathetic and wouldn't be missed at all. But we did again. We didn't play to to pull strengths at all. Um, and before we sort of like adapted at all we um as I gets free and scores again again midfield just lost him and he, he picked up the ball and just just drilled it in so um yeah two nil and, and at that point we decided to have a little bit of a flurry which was led by Charlie Alcaraz who hit the post and then put another one just over so having kind of built up a head of steam for the first time in the game that we should have been doing since the start all inspired by one bloke um Sellers of course takes him off which is just, it's just mental, you know. We, he he wasn't at, tracking back. That's what... Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> it, it's just its just ridiculous. So he proved he can't pick a team from the start and he can't change the game and, and read it either. So taking Alcaraz off, I, I just felt like walking out at that stage. Because, hmm. you know, he, he brought on a, a dozy who he obviously doesn't trust. He's never played him at all. And, and Stuart Armstrong, who's been rubbish the last few weeks. But what are they going to do in 10 minutes? So... It, it was an absolute crazy substitution, but just of a guy who didn't seem to know what he was doing at that point, and it, it was and it was just general garbage. I mean, we played with two false nines this week, and you know, I asked Jacob yesterday uh, last week whether whether we were still using the playbook, you know, and the red zone at the mm. edge, you know, the edge of the penalty area and all that stuff. I was watching in the first half; there, there was no one in that red zone. There, there was just no one there. You had Suleimana out wide, you had Walcott out wide, you had a Rebo kind of jogging in from midfield and, and and Alcaraz trying to get in there, but there was no one there. And the midfield picked up the ball. Um and quite often that was a Rebo back in midfield. And he, he looked up and there's there's no one there, just two central defenders. So I don't know I'd I'd love Ruben Sellers to explain. Um, well, no, I wouldn't because I couldn't be bothered to listen, but I'd love him to explain how he thought we were going to score a goal mm. in that game. Teams know now, don't give free kicks away around the edge of the box, and, and that's Southampton done. But having said that, we did create a couple of chances in the first half, but but we missed them. Um, and, and it's the usual, give away a soft goal and absolutely no way back into the game. So it was it was pathetic. And uh, yeah, it's it's another nail in the coffin, but once again you look at the league table and we're like we're like the monster that won't die in your nightmare you Run know nails for that coffin aren't we? yeah or the the 
<laughs> the turd that won't flush. <laughs> That's us at the moment. It's still we're still four points behind, and it, it's ridiculous. And the other rubbish teams keep losing, but it doesn't make the slightest difference. If we're four points behind, looking at us at the moment, we're struggling to get four points between now and the end of the season. Struggling yeah. to get four goals between now and the end of the season. It's just just pathetic again. And um, yeah, I wouldn't blame anybody if they just can't be bothered with it for the rest of the season from a supporter's point of view. But- Steve, what was your take on yesterday? I mean, play well for. 45 minutes and patches, create some chances, don't take them, lose. It It seems like it's just the same every week now for us. We're talking about the same same problems, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think we were we were okay in patches in the first half. As Glenn said, created two or three half-decent openings. Palace did nothing. We, we kept them at arm's length. And we kind of looked like in the thing that we sort of said last week in, term, in previewing this game was that Palace were kind of the the worst possible opponent for us because they sit in deep and um and try and hit us on the counter attack and and basically just pick us off and actually we seem to be quite well um well covered and and well practiced on on how to kind of recover from those sort of situations and first yeah so first half defensively i thought yeah okay we're we're pretty sound here going forward it was a little bit sluggish but i think we're we're in this in this sort of middle sort of ether period where we're not sure whether we sort of how much we want to commit going forward because we we don't quite trust ourselves at the back um so as a result we don't go full throttle for the whole time we we kind of pick and choose our moments which against the better teams I think is absolutely fine against the weaker sides and I mean for all that Palace have, have obviously picked up under Hodgson since their um since their fixture list has got significantly easier they didn't offer they didn't offer anything really and it was frustrating that a defence that was that's very clearly sort of there to be got at, as demonstrated by the fact that we did carve them open three or four times, we didn't really didn't really commit full sort of full pace to it all. Really, I mean, as Glenn said, playing with two false nines. I mean, the Rebo was decent for the first twenty minutes or so, basically because um, I don't think Palace quite expected that to be the way we were gonna we were gonna set up, and it just surprised them. Um, so he found found some some good pockets of space, but once once they worked it out and um, adjusted accordingly, he was kind of anonymous. Really, didn't uh, didn't do anything. Walcott was was okay in the channels in the first half, but as ever with him, he makes brilliant runs on a very regular basis, and yet every single person who's trying to play a pass to him always delays the pass by a fraction of a second. Um, the difference between players at the top is that they've always got the confidence that someone's making the run, hmm. and they just play the pass. There's no, there's no sort of thought process about it. You just do it. It's instinct. And I think if, I mean, Walcott wouldn't get into a better team these days, but if he was playing in a better team, he'd have had so many through balls in the last four or five weeks. He'd have absolutely thrived on it. But we've played one good pass through to him uh, yesterday, which was the, the shot that he put just over. And other than that, we were we delayed it too much, and he and he then get um get flagged offside. So that was that was frustrating. Second half we. I mean, as as we've seen so often this season, we literally just didn't turn up. I mean, Palace didn't. Palace put a little bit more sort of attacking effort into it. Obviously, seeing that we were there for the taking, although quite how they didn't work that out from before kickoff, I don't don't quite understand. I mean, have you have you, have you not seen any games this season? Maybe Roy Hodgson was off um, rather like rather than when he uh, when he decided not to scout Iceland and went for a, um, went 
went to Paris on a bit of a tourism trek with with um, Ray Lewington. Maybe he went um, went and did the Sea uh, City Museum instead of watching Saints. <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned that, Steve, because he actually said in his post-match press conference that he hadn't watched barely any Crystal Palace this season. He didn't take any interest in them, really. Um, so he's just come in and, and turned them over somehow. So. God. Um, <laughs> makes it worse, doesn't yeah, it? It yeah. makes it worse. Um, oh. I, mean, I mean, clearly there's, there's, a, there's a thing there where... Um, he does seem to get the best out of um, Eze, who I thought was excellent yeah. um, second half. And he's the sort of player that that we want someone like a Dozy to be. That sort of guy who can just turn it on at a moment's notice and he just glides past people. He's, I mean, if, it, if he wasn't doing it against us, it would have been um, would have been quite good to watch. But yeah, it was just it was just limp that second half. And you, and. I'm not sure anyone really comes out with any credit. Alcaraz, as you say, was was decent in that 20-minute spell where we where we suddenly decided after going 2-0 down, well, we might as well have a go now, mightn't we? But other than that, I mean, even even the guys that you would largely hang your hat on didn't really show up um, second half. Lavia wore Prowse far too easily, uh, bullied off the ball. Yeah. Um, Prowse, he went missing, really. Nothing, um, nothing from the wide players, nothing... Um, obviously nothing up front because we didn't have anyone there, um, <laughs> and um, and then you and then you're back to the the mess at the back where um, I mean Bednarek um, weirdly makes makes the correct decision to try and sh- to shepherd the ball out of play and then does nothing to shepherd the ball out of play. He basically just stands there and lets the guy come around the back of him. Yeah. Um, and he got away with it. But that I mean that that was the point at which the at which everyone turned on him again and. I mean, it's just just pathetic. It's just again square pegs in in round holes again for, at fullback. Yeah, Maitland Niles was all right in patches in the first half. Dreadful in the second. Far too easily beaten on the left for the first goal for the cross. I mean that that um, the ball the ball shouldn't be at the at the guy's feet in the penalty area at that point. He should have been engaged probably five ten yards away from the from the touchline. And Walker Peters ineffective on on the left because he's not left-footed so mm. there's no there's no natural balance there i mean pero i mean I, I appreciate that his sort of defensive awareness can slip at times and i know that's I'm, I'm pretty sure that's why he's not in not in the team on a regular basis and why we keep going with this sort of nonsense of uh playing everybody out of position to um to accommodate but it just provides some natural balance and he scored a couple of goals as well. well and and a bit of attacking output. I mean, we've yeah. got twenty four league goals all season. He's got he's got one twelfth of those. Yeah, yeah. Well, I tell you what, positive that came out of yesterday is that Maitland Niles can't play next week. <laughs> yeah, of course, because of the loan. Yeah, yeah. Um, Alfie, there seemed to be an air of acceptance from the players and the crowd at that that final whistle. I think is it a case of deep down we all knew that this was how it was going to play out and it, it just went to to the script that's that's what we thought was going to happen yesterday well i think certainly the supporters knew what was going to happen and especially when it went to 1-0 and um, we've seen it how many times in in must win games this season where mm. the first goal goes in and then all of a sudden they absolutely fall apart so i don't think anybody was surprised by that but if the players have accepted that they they're losing and they're going down, then I'd be very disappointed by that because they've not given any inclination to us in the press, and that includes Ruben Sellers, that that is the case. They they seem to pretend week in week out that things are you know things are building and they're they're going to be okay. I mean, I didn't speak to Theo Walcott yesterday. Benji did. I'm not just digging out Theo for no reason, but you know he came in and said like he seemed pretty pretty chipper considering they're all they're all you know on the block and they're going down potentially. And um, Ruben Sellers, you know. Uh, it actually took a lot longer for supporters to really get 
sick and tired of Ruben Sellers' comments than I thought it would to most of you because for weeks he's been saying that it's been... Yeah, you know, one, of, pros- one, one of you two said very early on that you're going to get sick and tired of his comments. Was it you or was it Jacob? One of you I may have said that, said yeah. Yeah, yeah well, I, I, you know, like, I like he's very polite, he's very considerate, but ultimately he's... He's, he's, he's put up with it if the results were okay. Exactly, yeah. He's, he's not hugely interested in that. I don't, I don't, to be honest with you, believe a word that he says. I, I don't think he believes it either. I think he's just trying to protect the players. I think he's he's worked out that this is a, a mentally deficient group. And I, I don't mean that like they're not they're not clever. I mean, they're, they're scared. They're, they're not brave. And he's, he's realised that he, needs, he, he said to us that he has to put a safety net around these players. I need to put a safety net around these players to help them perform. And I think that has led to him just completely denying the situation they've been in in the press conferences. And, you know, even yesterday... Um, I asked him about Joe Rebo and he was he was delighted with Joe Rebo. He felt that the, he was in the red zone, he was doing all the right things. And Jesus. I said, you know, I said, you know, he hasn't played a game for you. What's what's changed? How can how can he come in? You know, and uh, um I think uh, yeah. I just I think I'm sick of it, to be honest with you. I'm sick of sick of it. Well, we've got a few more weeks of it to go, unfortunately, as well. And that's the thing. I just wish we didn't have to hear from them for uh, for the remainder of the season. But, I mean, Glenn, that was one of the first messages we were sending each other at 2 o'clock yesterday when the team news was announced, wasn't it? You know, we were calling for some changes. We didn't want to see any new start. But I don't think any of us would have put our money on Joe Arebo coming in for his first start since New Year's Eve, wasn't it? Can you can you imagine the reaction if Elianusi had come off the bench? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, but- it just... It just doesn't make sense, does it? Although credit where credit's due, you know that that flexible front four, as as Steve said earlier on, it did confuse Palace and um, oh. the, the the shape confused them. But no. once they figured it out, we just had nothing in, a, in nothing to offer. Well, one of the things could have been two 0 up, couldn't they? Ultimately, if they could take a chance, they they could have been two 0 up, and it's a yeah. totally different picture. So, but how many times are we going to say that before we we move on? You know. But you go back to two o'clock, and you know one of the things we've been moaning about. <laughs> it seems like all season is the lack of urgency in the team so the one thing that the one player that you bring in is the most laid back casual sitting on a deck chair mentality type of player i mean you that it's the last person you'd bring in would be guy who was literally quoted a few weeks ago saying he's not bothered if he's not playing yeah yeah (laughs) and it's just like mental and has he been scoring loads of goals for the b team no has he been tearing it up when he's come on as a sub for five minutes no did he do anything when he played the last time he played, which I believe was against Grimsby? No, he was rubbish and he got substituted. So why on earth is he chosen? Again, I'll come back to something I said last week. Tall Paul's not everyone's idea of a player. And, you know, he doesn't look remotely like he's good enough to score goals in the Premier League. But we paid 18 million quid for him and Rankers, Rasmus Ankerson recruited him. And but he 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 doesn't want to he doesn't want to play him. If Chay Adams is not fit, it seems like we're now going to play without a striker. I mean, I don't think Sekumara is a decent player to start a game. I think he's all right as an impact sub, but he scored last week and he still doesn't get picked. And and it's 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 just madness. So I couldn't I couldn't believe it. Steve's already highlighted another massive problem. You're at home in a game that you have to win against an average team, and our best fullback. You know, all the attacking, a lot of attacking output comes from the fullbacks in in the modern game, as we all know. Our best fullback is playing on the wrong side to accommodate a lone player who, again, is incredibly casual. I mean, Maitland-Niles, I mean, his tone, the tone for his game was set in the first minute with that ball that ended up at right back. And he thought, oh, that's running out. I won't bother to chase that. And Jordan Ayew kept it in. (laughs) I mean, you know, it's... so the fullback decision, nonsensical. Joe Rebo decision, nonsensical. I couldn't believe we, we managed to leave Elianusi out and made the team worse. 
it's just, well, it's, <laughs> that's an achievement. So, yeah, so at two o'clock, you, you see the team and you right, I'm going to, I'm not going to put anything on Twitter. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go to the ground and watch the game and, and see how it goes. But, you know, I knew it was going to be pathetic uh, and it, and it turned out to be just that. He's had his chance, hasn't he, Steve? You know, we all wanted sellers to succeed, but when you see team sheets like that, it, it, it sort of, it's kind of clear to me that he, he's out of his depth and, and it's a shame because we really wanted it to work out because everyone says that the players love him and he's a nice guy, but it, it, it's not working. But that's the problem. Yeah. Agreed. If the players if the players like him, then okay, why why do they like him? Because because they're good because they were he was the good cop to Ralph's bad cop earlier in the season. Okay, so he's he's kind of the guy that that they would go to to sort of get things off their chest and and he would he would kind of give them a bit of rope. But when you're the guy making the decisions, you don't you don't have that luxury. Hmm. And this was the thing that we highlighted after that Chelsea win was Okay, we've got that got that win un, under our belts, and yep, yeah, excellent. We we played well enough, and probably just about deserved to to take that take that result the way we way we defended. And yeah, we said okay, it's it's fine, but are we really going to give this guy the um, the gig on a permanent semi permanent basis off the off the back of one performance? Because caretakers have a have a history of of doing this. You get an initial initial up sort of uplift because the players are players are relieved that the guy they didn't like is gone and the guy that they do like is is now in charge and they're happy for him and they'll they'll run through a brick wall for him for three games and then all of a sudden it's like oh we've got to actually take orders from this guy now he's trying is he trying to trying to be trying to actually be serious manager now rather than rather than friendly manager and actually it turns out the guys because he's because he's got no managerial experience there's no there's no nouse there at all and I mean, for all that we all kind of had a bit of a giggle at um, Hodson taking uh, being given the Palace job. Yeah, um, a job though, isn't he? Uh, three wins, three wins from three, and Palace. Mm. Are, I mean, for all that people were people were wrongly talking that they were um, that they were on the slide and in and in serious trouble. I mean, they're looking at looking at the top half again now. And yeah, it's 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 been a mistake. And I mean, I was kind of only kind of semi-serious probably about 75 80 percent serious actually with with my tweet after the game saying how about a fourth manager this season hmm. then because i don't see i mean as glenn said earlier i don't see where we're getting four goals let alone four points to make up make up the gap on hmm. on the teams above and that's even discounting the fact that clearly they will also take some points at some at some stage of this season i said hmm. on the podcast ages ago i think that um the players still call him ruben in all the even to this day in all the interviews and that always hmm. jars me a little bit i just feel like not gaffer, not gaffer or, or yeah. the boss or you know it's, it's ruben which is interesting i mean you don't look yeah. at the results on the sellers I mean, they won two games two draws and they've lost the rest the wins were against yeah. chelsea who were a, a diabolical leicester who tried yeah. their hardest to not score that day um, they drew with 10 Man United, they drew with Tottenham managed by a bloke who wanted to get fired and they've lost every other game. Um, they've scored six goals in that time. I think yeah. the results, they're, they're marginally better than Nathan Jones, but I think they're pretty poor. I, I wasn't calling him Ruben when he took Alcaraz off. I was calling him something else entirely. <laughs> Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, 
But rest assured, you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. That's the thing. You, I think it was Benji um, yesterday, Alfie, that pointed out, or maybe today, that mm. you know, the, the stats don't lie, do they? We've had, I think, four of those big six-pointers now, mm. and he's lost three of them. And we've only scored once in, in one of those games. And don't so. get me wrong, the players have to accept responsibility for that as well. The, the oh. player, they do not have it in the, the big moment. Very clearly, it's not all Ruben's fault. But yeah, the stats speak for themselves. In terms of an audition process and looking at someone to bring us back next year, he, he he's not he's not exactly no covering chance. himself in glory. No. A couple of things. Paul says, uh, I only want three things from the rest of the season. Now, perhaps need to break Beckham's record whilst playing for us, which is fair. Uh, please don't let Bournemouth be the team to relegate us, which could happen. And finally, the club to need, need to move on from Sellers now, or at least make it clear that he won't be the manager for pre-season and next year. And a lot of people saying the same kind of things today. As you mentioned, Glenn, though, we are only four points away from safety. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. Is there still, there's still some football to play? Um... Yeah, well, well, we haven't played. We haven't played much recently. No, I, I can't even be bothered to think about it. To be honest, it wouldn't. For me, it wouldn't matter if we were one point behind. We, we're so bad. I mean, what are we going to get at Arsenal next week? Mm. You know. So, let's like say there's good. We're, we're lucky. We're, we're incredibly mm. lucky that we're still anywhere near it. I imagine that 23 points after what is it? 32 games, 31 games. Normally sees you miles away you know i've been thinking a lot about the season we got relegated in 2004-5 that team was miles better than this one <laughs> i was trying to think and, and scored, scored, scored loads of goals, scored loads of goals, but, goals it, but at least at least you go down with more of a fight i, I can't yeah, remember well, there, there was some there were some great games at the end of the season i remember one game at some areas where we beat norwich with Henri, Henri yeah. Kamara scoring the last minute it's great you know he scored the last minute when a roof came off but practically it was it was brilliant there were there were some moments like that whereas this team it's like creeping death isn't it it's just horrendous there's just there's just nothing about it that that is any good and i mean you know you try and be positive but there's nothing to be positive about at all there is absolutely nothing to be positive about there's nothing in this team that suggests that they're even going to get four points between now and the end of the season you know i mean it's probably impossible with the fixtures for the other three teams to keep on losing i mean i you let if you want to, if you want to grasp at straws. You, you you're looking at Everton getting deducted points <laughs> for financial irregularities, and then you've still got to catch two of the others. And I just, I just, I just don't see it. Um, you know, Bournemouth. I know we're not predicting Bournemouth, but I'll I'll get me one 0 defeat in now. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's. In fact, we might as well not even predict Saint scoring. We might as well just pr- make it easy and predict what the other team are going to get. It's um, it's so bad. It is only four points, but I have absolutely no hope and no confidence that we'll get anywhere near another team and we'll go down flat last. I think that sentiment is shared by pretty much everybody watching or, uh, or listening this week. Let's go on to the, the Arsenal game on Friday. That result against West Ham means that Friday is potentially quite a big game for Arsenal, Steve. Mm. They're going to be, um, they're going to need to get all three points, aren't they? So two weeks running though, they've blown a 2-0 lead. So is there a, a glimmer of hope we might get something? Um, well, there's no point in us giving them a 2-0 lead because that would involve us scoring twice to get back into it, which probably isn't going to happen. I guess charitably you would say that 
over the course of the season, our better performances have largely come against the better teams. Uh, we got a point in the reverse fixture and thoroughly deserved to. So, yeah, I mean, who who knows? I mean, Arsenal, um, the backside seems to have seems to have come out of them the last week and a half or so. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe we can we can go there and and put put a bit more pressure on them. But I mean, based on what we've what we've witnessed in the last um, last couple of games, I'm not well in the last certainly this night. 90 minutes um city games a little bit different i think but certainly what we've what we saw yesterday pff, i i wouldn't wouldn't be uh, pinning any sort of hopes on it that's for sure what have you made of their season glenn i mean firstly my i think my first question does it really matter about friday night i, I kind of think like we're going to go there we're going to get turned over and that's that I, it's it, it's almost sort of irrelevant really isn't it um we can try and talk it up and say well we might get a point or we might be able to put in a good performance but we kind of know that it, it ain't going to happen okay well seven seven games to go you can't you can't afford to give up any game now you know you mm-hmm. you've you've got to go there with a game plan to try and win it it's laughable in itself but there's, there's no logic to suggest that we can we can do that um you would think it would be a pretty routine game the only you know we we've had many games this season where we've played teams that for whatever reason have been in desperate trouble like we played villa before you know when stephen gerrard was still in charge and they mm-hmm. lost seven games in a row we played not forest when they not only got a point away all season or one goal or whatever and you need to go into those games and get your foot on the throat and and be ruthless but every game we've had like that this season against a team that's had any sort of jitters we've just gone in and been passive and rubbish so yeah I mean Arsenal could be in full choke mode um, which they they appear to be in but yeah, I mean, if we if we had anything about us, you could think, yeah, we'll cause them a few problems. We'll go at it, go at it hard in the first fifteen minutes and see how much they um, they really want to get back on track, or whether they're just all feeling sorry for themselves. But I don't expect we'll do that. I expect Sellers to send us up there, probably with no striker again, trying, trying not to lose, trying trying to trying to mimic the Spanish team that he probably grew up watching when. Um, Cesc Fabregas was the um, the false nine or whatever. It's interesting, though, isn't it? Because, you, you know, the teams that have played false nines, <laughs> you, you kind of think of Spain, who had all these brilliant midfield players mm-hmm. and they'd keep the ball for 90% of the time and then eventually one of them would pop up and score. You think City last year did exactly the same thing. And, and, and we're trying to do it with the players that we've got, you know. We're trying to mimic two elite teams. So I don't know what, what plan he's going to go in with. I mean, I'd, I'd be tempted to just go... You know the most basic four four two you can possibly get, and and get get crosses into the box and and see how much their central defenders like it. But I very much doubt we'll um we'll do that. So uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what he does. I mean, I think defensively, I think you know Walker Peters and Perro against Martinelli and Saka that you know we could potentially come out on top there. But the one we got to watch is Odegaard. Mm. Odegaard joining in from midfield, he plays roughly the same role that Eza played for Crystal Palace yesterday. And if Lavia and Warprouse are not tracking him, or we're not we're not doing a job there, maybe it's a game for someone like Diallo to come in and give us a third a third body in there. But um, but we have to have an attacking threat because we have to try and score. But uh, don't hold out much hope. But if, there is an opportunity there simply because Arsenal have wobbled the last um, the last week or so. But um, don't hold your breath. It's going to require 11 players playing at their absolute best, isn't it, Alfie, really? There's not going to be many opportunities. So when we do get a chance, they're going to have to be ruthless. And of course, they haven't been doing that. 
Yeah, it'd be nice to see that, wouldn't it? I think, um, like I said, having some forwards on the pitch might help. And to be fair, they have created chances in the last couple of games, so I think the opportunity is there. But if there's one thing I would like to see for the rest of the season, I think it's because the football isn't giving us much hope. It is I, I want to see somebody, uh, somebody who's making decisions, somebody who's, who's, who's running the club day-to-day come out publicly and acknowledge that they have made errors this season. We all make mistakes. Unfortunately, these ones will be costly, but you know, and it's not been an easy year either. I think... Um, for you know, four years of Gao Jisheng after the Chinese foreign policy change had left the club pretty stale and it was only going to head in one way without the, the cash injection that we've had any, regardless. But I just think, you know, if you weren't going to back Ralph, you should have got rid of him sooner. When you did, you you brought in Nathan Jones. You didn't get Ralph a striker. You've doubled down on this youth policy that has got us so many sellable assets. Romeo Lavia, Bella Kotchap, you know, really exciting players who we're immensely grateful for. But clearly haven't got it mentally to put it together without the experience. You've got Gabazunu and Goal who just needed somebody as a number two who could challenge him. Oh. There's no number two. There's no number two at the club. Alex McCarthy and Willie Cavallero, clearly neither of them can, can do it anymore, otherwise they'd be playing. Um, and look, when they got rid of Nathan Jones after the January recruitment, we've seen the January, none of them made an impact. Charlie Alcaraz, to be fair, actually a very good signing. Charlie Alcaraz, a very good signing. But Onyuachu, Orsic, uh, even Camel Dean, really, who's, a, who's also a good player. Nobody scored a goal. And then they replaced Jones with Ruben Sellers, you know, Jesse Marsh was close and we know that Jesse ended up walking away um, on day two of the negotiations and you've ended up with somebody somehow who who is going to be even more disliked than Nathan Jones by the end of the season. Um, so <laughs> I hope that somebody can... Steady on. Uh, well, maybe I can hope that somebody can acknowledge that, you know, they made mistakes. And the best thing about football is next season, if they start winning games, people will forget all about it. And if they do keep winning games, they'll win 30, 35 games, they'll be back up and we can all move on and we'll all be buzzing again. It'll be a new era. But I just hope that somebody can acknowledge that things have gone wrong this year. My biggest concern is that the team we have at the moment will struggle in the championship next year. I, I see a lot of people talking online about, oh, who would be your preferred 11 and who's going to start? And have we got someone that's going to score 25 goals next year? That's but what think, really worries me. To sport public's credit, I think they'll spend in some of the, If they go down, I think they will invest and I think they will they will try and create a, a squad that can then take on the championship. You know, they've, to be fair to them, they've already come out and said that the financial you know, is going to be okay. I think they're going to need to raise sort of fifty million pounds worth of player sales, but that's not going to be hard because it's going to no, be right. so many players that are going to be leaving. Well, Lavia gone, and that's, yeah, that's and, more, and, more proud, and then the rest will be reinvested, and, and hopefully, and I think it, you know it's, it's it's not all doom and gloom, but um, yeah. But it's not looking great. Let's do some score predictions for Friday night then. That's our favourite part of the podcast. Uh, I'm going to get in there early and go for the 4-0 defeat, Mr. Optimistic. Um, Glenn, you actually, I think, were the only person that predicted the defeat um, to Palace. So I think you said 1-0 for that. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> you were the closest. The rest of us were trying to be a bit more optimistic. Mm. So best shot for Arsenal? Three. Okay. <laughs> Three. <laughs> no, it's fine. I know what you mean. Yeah. Steve? Um, I'm going to go for the optimistic 3-1 defeat. Um, okay. The op- the optimism being that we will score. Yeah, Walcott, need um, celebrations. Well, it, I mean, uh, no, I'm, I'm kind of thinking Aaron Ramsdale flapping a corner into his own net, maybe. <laughs> so, so not even one of our players. That, no, that's <laughs> what we're reduced to. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we'll take that. We'll take that. Alfie? Yeah, I don't think it matters at all, really. But um, I say 2-0 and we'll go Martinelli and Saka. Okay. Fair this. I want to finish on some positives. And, and Alfie, I'm going to come to you just to chat about Tino mm. Livramento, first of all, because it was so good to see him playing 45 minutes for the B team on Friday. I know you were there. There was a small crowd there too, watching the game. It's, you were almost like a, a nervous parent on the sideline mm. uh, at, at times. And I know you had a, a catch up with him afterwards. So he, he he seems to be recovering well and was on good form. Yeah, it was amazing to see, wasn't it? It was a, a 355 days, I think, from the day um, he went off at Brighton. Obviously, had ACL, and then I believe it was a hamstring wasn't it um in the winter which is a, a separate setback but yeah good to see him back 45 minutes good touches 
Um, and I was about to say, I spoke to him afterwards. And I think, as you mentioned now, I was, I was a bit nervous on the sideline. Right before halftime, when he was coming off in 45 minutes, he went full hard into two 50-50s back-to-back and he ended up on the floor. The opposing player was booked and I was really worried that, you know, we were going to see a, a Juan Larios. You know, I watched Juan Larios come back to the B team and he, he won't play for the rest of the season now after 10 minutes. So I was massively concerned. But when I said to Tino after that, you know, he scared me a little bit there. He said, um, the one thing that he's told himself is that he's going to go into everything with 100% now. And if he gets injured again, it's because he's gone in at 100%, not because he's gone in at 90 or 80, not because he's been a bit lazy. And I think it was the busiest country they've had for a Staplewood game this season. Like you said, there was 150 fans as well. Um, everybody buzzing for him, all the players, Juan, Armel, they're all sharing the, the, you know, the Instagram stories and whatnot. And I think it's credit to Tino, what a great lad he is. Um, you know, stayed there to watch the game with his parents, that everybody at the club is happy for him. So, yeah, hopefully we'll see him on the pitch at the end of the season. He wants to be on the pitch by the end of the season. So, if he can achieve that, that would be good. That would be a lift that I think we all need. Glenn, there's been a few sort of murmurs about um, some of the young players and perhaps their attitudes not being right. Mm. But that's not something that you can ever accuse him of at the moment because, as Alfie said, you know, he was staying there, he was supporting the team, he was at the game at the weekend yeah. as well. Um, he potentially could be quite key for us next year. He, he, seems, he seems to be a great lad and... Um... Yeah, you pick you pick up things from Instagram stories. It's like all the players from Chelsea as well. I mean, like Amanda Brozier was one of them because mm. obviously he's got a very similar injury at the moment, and uh, he was another one sort of wishing him well and stuff like that. So he's obviously got a lot of friends in the game, and you can tell just from players' demeanour sometimes what sort of what sort of people they are. I was at the game at Brighton when he when he got injured, and you just it was just one of those sickening ones where you you just see it and just think, oh no, and um, it's most. This may sound horrible, but you know there are some players that they got a bad injury. You'd sort of go, "Oh, okay," but you know he'll get over it. But with with Tino, he, he's one of the last people that you'd want to get that sort of thing happen to him. Seeing, especially seeing as how well he'd done, and the, mm. and the fact that he's he's very very young. Which, are, well, I guess on the other side that. The fact that he was, he, you know, he was so young gives him a better chance of uh, of recovering from it. So, yeah, great to see him back. I'm not sure we want him to play before the end of the season because that will remind teams that he's fit and <laughs> because we're going to need him because I'm pretty sure Carl Walker-Peters is going to be gone in the yeah. summer, even if we stay up, which we mm. won't. And Carl Walker-Peters is actually one of the few that I'll actually miss if they go. So having, having Tino to hopefully start next season is um is is you know is a positive that we can take from uh, what has been a pretty horrendous season and another goal from Don Ballard uh Steve that's someone else that could be quite key next year yeah it'd be interesting to see the um see whether whether he first gets the opportunity um and if he does get the opportunity whether he can step up to that level i mean i think there's there's three managers who have who have already kind of already um, decided he's not quite ready for Premier League football, which I think we can probably all understand. Hmm. Even even in our sort of non-scoring um, situation that we're in at the moment, it's it's one of those, I mean, sometimes that you've you've got a duty of care to the player as as well as 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 the team and you throw him in throw him into this situation, sink or swim. And if if he sinks, then you've basically kill killed the hmm. kid's career al- already. The championship Will be a little bit, little bit more forgiving in terms of um, the quality of defenders he's up against. It'll be certainly be less forgiving in terms of the physicality. So it'll be a case, be interesting to see whether um, whether he's able to step up um, to that level or whether, I mean, whoever our, whoever the manager is next season decides he'd be he'd be better better served getting some first team football, maybe maybe in League One. Would would have been interesting to see if if we had stayed up. Um, where Ballard would have been next year, we'd have probably loaned him out. 
would it have been to a championship club or would it have been to a to a League One club or would it have been to a, an Eastleigh or someone like that? Because we've we've loaned mm-hmm. players all over the place, so it would be interesting to know where they where they think he is in terms of playing men's football. The other good news story, I guess, Alfie, that I just want to touch on before we finish is that investment this week from the owner, as you, you mentioned it briefly there, but another injection of cash. I think it was a, a share issue, wasn't it? But but there's there's that ongoing commitment, which is 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 good uh, and probably something that we can all just take a bit apart from, as you say, next year, um, we might have the money to come back and we might have some money to invest. Yeah, you don't want to be stuck in the championship for longer than a year, really. You want it to get done immediately. But like I said, uh, everything that, that Rasmus and Henrik have said in the fans forum and, and obviously Jacob reporting about that uh, extra extra put in as well, you, you, they, they are here for the long run. That's always been the aim. And uh, yeah, we have to we have to trust them with that and, and hope that we don't see, obviously, a repeat of what you know Glenn and, and Stephen, you guys would have witnessed sort of, um, what was it, 20 years ago? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's easier said than done, Glenn, isn't it? There's a lot of chat about oh, we'll, we'll walk the league and it'll be fine, but it, it's not going to be plain sailing next year. Well, you got the, the the board and Sport Republic to be on it. They've got to start making some right decisions, haven't they? You know, they got they got to start getting things right. Yes, the, you know, we we've got 31, 34, I think it is, if you count the likes of Jack Stevens, Nathan Teller, mm. Will Smallbone. We got we got thirty four players. It's far too many. So there has to be. You know, some will go naturally. You know, end of contract. Some will want to, will move, will get moves to to Premier League. We'll be left with some who no one else wants, and we'll be left with with some that we want. You know, we've got to start getting those decisions right. The first mm-hmm. decision, of course, to get is is the manager. Who I still maintain is the, the the single most important person at the club. And yeah, Sport Republic basically have to let the manager manage, and they they have to get start getting some decisions right. Otherwise, we're, we're going to be massively struggling. But there will be issues regardless, because it, it is a bit of a culture shock hmm. to um to to find yourself in the championship. And you know, going back to twenty years ago, I think if memory serves, we we drew like something like six out of the first eight or something like that when we first went yeah we had a run of nine draws in a row yeah it was it was it was it was mad we just couldn't get over the line in virtually any game and uh and pretty soon people who were saying oh we're going to win loads of games in the championship people were realizing that it wasn't really the case now obviously you know the championship has changed Hmm. but it's you can look at burnley and say yeah we'll 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 copy what they do, or you or you you could be a Burnley, or you could be a Sunderland or a Bolton, and just and just keep on going. So uh, so yeah, it's uh, all all outcomes are possible, but it, it all starts with the board starting to get things right. You touched on my biggest concern there, though, Glenn, in that they could lose sort of 13, 14 players and still be left with a squad that's too big and not good enough. So there there is going to have to be a little bit of luck in in terms of some of the players that they are able to offload. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, but they they've got to build. They've got to build. They've got to recruit based on getting a decent team on the pitch, not recruit in terms of well, we can sell him for more money later on. Because I've got mm-hmm. the, I've had the impression over the last few transfer windows that we, if we thought we could make money on fifteen right backs, we'd assign fifteen right backs, <laughs> and and not not bothered about the fact that we haven't got a striker or we haven't got a winger and cross the ball. Or, or... Gareth Southgate would have approved. I think. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think there has to be a bit of a change in in emphasis, and um, I haven't got time to do this now. But I think the, the playbook has to go in the bin, or at least a, a vast majority of it, and we have to pl- we have to play a different way. And you know, we'll 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 see what happens. But uh, but yeah, it, there's going to 
the squad is going to take a lot of management next year and the, and the recruitment is the recruitment and the letting people go is is going to have to be spot on to um for all the pieces to fall into place to make a, an immediate return and a win for the women's team today steve decent win as well uh yeah late winner against um second placed uh, London City Lionesses so that more or less has handed the title to Bristol City. It's bumped us back up into into fifth over over Crystal Palace. Um, so yeah, I mean, po- hopefully positive ends of the season. We've got the basically, um, I think we've got Sheffield United and Coventry left to play, who are in the bottom, both of the bottom four. Uh, Coventry have long since been relegated, so that should be should be a big win next week um, if they um, if they can remember how to score multiple goals. Because um, much like the men's first team, the women's first team have um, completely forgotten what to do, sort of between the uh, between those big white posts. They followed the playbook. <laughs> yeah, very much so. But yeah, good, good to get that. That was a bit of a surprise win. That one, really, given given the way the last six or seven games have gone. So yeah, really, really good for them to get get that one over the line, and hopefully two more wins to finish the season. And you'd probably say as a as a first first season stepping up stepping up a level and it and it has been a big step up mm. i think that'll be a that that'll probably be a decent season they'll they'll be annoyed with the with the sort of little run they've had the last 6 to 8 weeks or so and i would imagine we'll probably be pretty active um in the summer well, Glenn's dog's had enough, yep. so uh, that's probably a sign that uh, we should wrap things up. So um, thank you for your contributions. Uh, don't forget you can follow Total Saints Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Have a search for at Total Saints Pod. The website is totalsaints.co.uk. We're also on Patreon, as I mentioned at the start. That's where you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution. It's patreon.com forward slash Total Saints Podcast. There's four different tiers on there, ranging from £5 to £20 per month, and each of the tiers comes with different benefits. Fits, including some weekly shouts for those patrons in our Francis Benali and our Mick Shannon tiers. So thank you for your support to Dave Melton, Mark Atkins, Matt Hall, Andy Hollis and Anthony Thompson in the Francis Benali tier and also Colt Baker, Dave Ernsberger, Ed Busy, Nick Higston, Phil Cook, Matt Rose and Nick Reed in the Mick Shannon tier. Thank you, Steve. Thanks to Glenn. Thank you to Alfie. Uh, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you again next week. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.